I want you to t- open your Bible up this morning to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Thank you guys for leading us in worship this morning. Let's give these guys a hand this morning. Thank you. It's good to see all of you on a Saturday morning. Get out, come out together, and uh, thank you for all you guys that got up at 5 a.m. and came and uh, cooked breakfast for us and all that. Will you give those guys a big hand? <laughs> I, said, I asked one of the guys what time he got up. He said he was uh, coming here at 5 a.m. I said, I didn't know 5 a.m. happened on Saturday. I had no idea there was any such thing as 5 a.m. on Saturday. You know, that's good. Thank you guys for doing that. The food was great. Good to hang out. Let me tell you why we're doing this. Right? I think sometimes pastors do a really poor job of explaining why we're doing things. I mean, I think we just expect you to figure it out, and, and that's not always the case. I'll tell you why we're doing guys morning out and guys night out, why we do you know, men's retreats, those kind of things. I, I think there is something that God's doing right now among the men of our church. And these times, there are a couple of things I want to happen here. I want you to connect with other men. And I know uh, the, the number one thing I hear from first-time guests or people who are looking for a church home is that, that new life seems big. And it is big. It's a big place. But heaven's going to be kind of crowded, too. Yeah. You know, heaven's going <laughs> to be a big old place. If you want small, then don't, you know, heaven's going to be crowded. It's going to be tons of people there. And so I feel like, you know, obviously we need to do a great job of helping men connect. We need to make it easy for new people to connect. And we've had about 200 new families in the last five or six weeks show up at New Life looking for a church home. They filled out a card saying, this is our first time we're looking for a church home. That's the most uh, in any five-week stretch in the four years that I've been here. So God is obviously saying to us, I can trust you now with people, and I want you to open your hearts up to new people, new friendships. So primarily what I want to do in these meetings is I want friends, friendships to happen. Connections. I want you to find somebody and make them feel welcomed and pray with them and connect with them. But also think that there's something powerful when we worship together as men. There's something powerful together when we gather as leaders of our families and leaders of the church, when we gather together and pray these, we, we, I, I call it singing with a pray, a praying with a singing voice. That I'm not just reading words off a screen. These are prayers. This is the way the early church would have worshipped. They would have opened up the Psalms and they would have prayed and sung those Psalms as prayers. They would have prayed with a singing voice. That's exactly the way they would have worshipped. So I want us to get past just reading the words on the screen, just singing songs. That's that's good in itself. But what's powerful about worship is when you begin to pray these things in a prayerful voice, declaring these things, praying these things, thinking about your family, thinking about your wife and your children, thinking about your job, our city, our country, praying these things over uh, those areas. And that's that's powerful. And I also want to disciple you. I've been discipled. I, I am a disciple. We never finished. In other words, discipleship's not a course that you complete. Did you know that? The word disciple means learner. And uh, I know there's men here in their 80s and 90s. There's men here that are 12, 13 years old. And in, all in between, all of us are disciples. We're all learners. We're followers. We're trying to learn and follow and trust more than we've ever before. So I'm, in these gatherings, I'm going to t- t- talk on topics that I would talk about with you if you and I were sitting one-on-one at a coffee shop somewhere or on my front porch or around my kitchen table. If you were uh, someone that I was discipling personally, then these are topics that I would sit down and we'd have a conversation about, okay? And so this morning, I'm going to talk to you about integrity, the idea of integrity, because I do believe that we have an integrity pandemic among us. And I'm not making a personal accusation. I'm just saying as a whole, when you ask, go ask any businessman or businesswoman out in Colorado Springs, what are, what's their opinion of Christians? 
Come on. I'll, I'll tell you what the answer is. I've heard it so many times, it's embarrassing. They say Christians are the most difficult people to work with. Those people with the fish on their business cards, they, they, uh, I avoid them like the plague. They, and so I, I believe we need to talk as men what it means to have integrity. Now, here's two, two sayings. I want you to write these down or at least remember them so that you can talk about them. There were two things growing up, and I can hear my dad saying this over and over and over and over. And my dad, I, I talk about my dad a lot, and I brag about my dad a lot, and I'm thankful for my dad. My dad was not a perfect man. In fact, my dad was not even a Christ follower until after I was in college. So I, I didn't grow up in a home uh, like Abram's growing up in, where his dad uh, loves God, read the scriptures to me. My dad never read the scriptures to me growing up. My dad never prayed for me ever growing up that I know of, at least not out loud to me. He probably prayed for me when I didn't know about it, but he certainly didn't pray for me uh, out loud with his hand on me, never uh, growing up. But, but the one thing my dad did do that was awesome, there's several things that he did great, but one of the things he did, he's taught me to be honest and to work hard. And there's two sayings my dad pounded into me. And the first one was this. He says, Brady, say what you mean and mean what you say. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Don't speak in codes. Don't speak uh, where there's a lot of... Uh, uh, Brady, when you talk, your words are important. Your reputation, Brady, is important. So what you say to a man, what you say to somebody matters. It was back in the day, my dad grew up in the day where there was, uh, the uh, attorneys and contracts were not always needed among, in business transactions, and that's not the world we live in today. And the reason is because we don't say what we mean, and we don't mean what we say. And I tell men, uh, when I, I even tell the team here that I lead, the staff, that they don't have to read my silence, they don't have to read my language. I say what I mean and mean what I say. If I say it, I mean it. If I mean it, I say it. And I tell them, say it to the strength that you feel it. So say what you mean and mean what you say. Here's another thing my dad taught me. Okay, this is another thing. This is a great conversations, by the way, with your sons. Here's the second thing my dad would tell me. Do the right thing for the right reason, even at your own hurt. You do, always do the right thing for the right reason, even if it means it's going to hurt you. Now, Tom Lane told me to say it a different way. He, liked it. he tells his sons, swear to your own hurt. And Pastor Garvin's heard Tom Lane say that in staff meetings a hundred times. Uh, Swear to your own hurt. Even if by doing the right thing, it's going to cause you a loss. It's going to cause you pain. We still do the right thing for the right reason, even at our own hurt. Now, those were two, uh, two non-negotiables in my life when I came here four years ago, and they're still non-negotiables. I want you to know as men, when I look at you and when I say things to you, I say what I mean and mean what I say. I'm not hiding anything from you. I say it honestly. I want you to know I'm, I, I'm, I can be trusted. I'm, I'm going to be straight up with you. I want you to be straight up with me. I want us to have open, honest dialogue every time we talk, all right? And then if I tell you I'm going to do the right thing for the right reason, even if it hurts, even if it ends up on the front page of the newspaper and it hurts, I'm going to do the right thing for the right reason, even at our own hurt. That's the way we lead our church. That's the way we lead our families. And so in Proverbs chapter 4, Solomon writes these uh, powerful words about integrity. And I want us to read them. I want to read them to you. And I want you to pay attention to the four body parts that he mentions here. He mentions the heart. He mentions the eyes. He mentions our mouth, our words. And he mentions our feet. Four things he mentions in Proverbs chapter 4 that I want you to pay attention to as we read this powerful proverb, okay? Verse 23. Above all else. Above all else. Now, when I hear language like that in the Bible... That's pretty definitive language, isn't it? That's pretty strong language. Above all else, I mean, immediately you should have, your, your spiritual ears should have just come to full 
on. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left and keep your foot from evil. This is one of my life verses. I love this proverb. And I've been wanting to teach on this for a while. But I want to talk to you about integrity and talk to you about these four body parts that Solomon mentions to us if we're going to be men of integrity. Number one, men of integrity guard their hearts. Men of integrity, above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. Men of integrity are men who take a close examination on a regular basis of what's going on in their heart. Now, here's the way I describe the visual learner in me says this. I want to hold up a mirror, not to you, but to me first. On a regular basis, sometimes an hourly basis, but certainly every day, as I'm praying, as I'm walking, I am holding up a mirror to my own heart. And here's what I'm looking for. What am I thinking about today? What am I allowing to stay in in the recesses of my thoughts? If you'll just pay attention to what you're thinking about, it'll give you a genuine reflection of what's really going on inside of you. What kind of conversations are you having with yourself? What are you allowing to kind of linger and stay? What kind of visual imagery are you allowing to float around inside of you? Because that's what your heart is. That's what he's talking about here. Everything starts with a thought. Let me talk, I want you to write this next phrase down because this is worthy of, I think, a lot of conversation. We cannot behave our way out of something we have believed. We cannot behave our way out of something that we believed. Everything, our behavior, what you're doing right now starts with what we believe to be true. And just just getting a good old self, you know, a lot of the books out there right now are about self-help. A lot of the sermons are about doing better, about better behavior, behavior modification, sin modification. Most of the language that we hear is about behaving better when that is a waste of our time to talk about behavior until we first talk about what we believe. What do you believe? Every man, I've met with dozens of men who have gone through uh, immoral failures, who've ended up in adultery. They don't wake up one morning saying, I think today I'm just going to screw up my whole life. Today's the day I'm going to ruin my marriage. Today's the day that I'm going to be bad. I've wanted to be bad for a long time. Here's what happens. It started a long time before the act with a belief. You began to believe that you made... made, Here's the the lies the enemy tells men about their... their, I married the wrong woman. She is not making me happy. Therefore, this woman that I've got my eye on, that we've been kind of flirting with, she can make me happy. And I think God wants me to be happy. Can I tell you this? God doesn't care about your happiness. He does care about your integrity. And it's a, it's a lack of integrity for a man to have an, a moral failure. And if you sit, you're sitting here today and you've had a moral failure and you've done that in the past, listen, I've got better news for you than this. I've got good news for you. There's grace and forgiveness for every man who's made this mistake. And you're not, you haven't been written off anybody's list because you've done this. But let me tell you something. If you're sitting here today and you're considering this, let me stop you right now. That's a lie that you're believing. And it's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you almost everything. In fact, I just saw a recent study earlier that 50% of men who fall into adultery and end up divorcing their wife, 50% of them end up in bankruptcy. They bankrupt themselves. 
They, they think it's just a, it's, it's, it's going to lead to happiness. 50% of men who end up in adulterous affairs end up in bankruptcy. They lose it all. They lose everything. So right now, let me give, me, let me give you the definition of integrity, by the way. Integrity is the correlation between what the Bible says, what I believe, and my behavior. Integrity is the correlation between what the Bible says, what I believe about the Bible, and my behavior. Because many times the Bible may say something we don't believe. it's, It's true among Christ's followers that we don't necessarily believe everything the Bible says. Therefore, it never affects our behavior. If I don't believe that, if I, if I read the scriptures and I don't believe it, it's never going to have an effect on my behavior. So what the scripture says, what I choose to believe about the scriptures, and my behavior. That's what integrity. Integrity means I, I read the scriptures, I believe what the scriptures say, therefore I'm going to do what the scriptures say to do. My behavior is a reflection of what I believe about the scriptures. Does that make sense to you guys? That's all, that's all integrity is. Integrity is just behavior that's a reflection of what the scripture says and what I've chosen to believe. But for every truthful thing that we hear, every truthful thing that you read in the scripture, for every truthful thing that we hear or we read, that we hear hundreds of lies, and some of them are good-sounding lies. Now, this was not a new problem, by the way. Let me read this to you out of Romans chapter 1. Therefore, verse 24, Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another, they exchanged, listen to this, they exchanged the truth of God, what they had read, what they had heard, for a lie. They exchanged it. They made an exchange. They, in other words, they read the scriptures, they saw the scriptures, but they never chose to believe the scriptures. And so they exchanged this truth of scripture for a lie, and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Here's the bottom line on this. What, it, what we believe to be true becomes our reality. Whatever you believe to be true this morning, whatever you believe about the scriptures, that's what you are. That's what you're behaving. That's why you're saying the things you say. That's why you're doing the things you do. That's, that's why life is happening the way it's happening around you right now is because of what we have chosen to believe. And this is why you'll hear me a lot of times when I'm praying for you and praying over the church or praying over myself, Lord, thank you that I'm an adopted son. Thank you that I'm in the palm of your hand. Thank you that I'm a sheep of your pasture and that sheep of the pasture can hear your voice. Thank you that you've given me listening ears and you've given me seeing eyes. Thank you, Lord, for grace. Thank you, Lord, for peace that passes all understanding, that guards my mind and my heart. I say those things because I believe them. And because I believe them, they begin to affect my reality. They they affect my language. They affect the way I treat people. They affect the, the way I make decisions. Because I believe those things to be true, I just have to remind myself all the time of what I know to be true. Because if I don't remind myself of what I know to be true, these subtle lies, listen, greater men than me have believed lies. A lot greater men than me have fallen into believing a lie. The reason that the way I combat lies is with truth. And I speak truth over myself. I speak truth over Abram. I speak truth over Pam. Over at Cali, I speak truth over my, the church here, this church, your, the gathering. So men of integrity, first of all, are very aware, guarding their hearts. Well, here's what, the second thing he said. It says, men of integrity speak truth. Verse 24 says, put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Now, let, let me tell you this. I think this is absolutely true. Our mouth always betrays our hearts. Our mouth will always betray our hearts. In other words, I, I, I know exactly what's in your heart. I'll just sit and listen to you for about a half an hour. 
I can tell you what's in your heart. You may not even know what's in your heart, but I can tell you. Just let me have a 30, 40-minute conversation with you. I pick, up, I pick up language of unforgiveness like that. Bitterness, unforgiveness. I pick up slave talk real quick. Orphan talk. Men who really don't believe that God is father and they are son. I can pick that up so quick. I pick up that language out of it. I pick it up out of my own heart. I listen to what I say. Do you listen to what you say? Do you talk and then listen later? <laughs> I think you ought to listen to your heart first before you talk. Because when you start talking, it's going to come out. Whatever you... I was with someone recently, and, and uh, we were talking, you know, I preached last Sunday about unforgiveness, and this person wanted to talk to me about it. And she said, I don't have a problem with unforgiveness. And then she just started talking about three or four people, how much... I mean, it just started coming out of her. <laughs> and I was just sitting and listen, you know, because her heart being betrayed by her mouth. She's, she's bitter about these two people in her life that have, that have caused harm, and, and she says that she's forgiven them, but it doesn't because it keeps coming up in conversation. Every conversation I have with her, she, these two people come up in the conversation. That's not forgiveness. This, this, your mouth is always a reflection. The mirror that I talked about earlier, the mirror that I'm talking about is your mouth. Listen to your friends. Listen, this is why Pastor Garvin is such a valuable friend to me. It, he'll listen to me. And I listen to him. And if we keep hearing things come out of each other's mouth, he doesn't jump on me every time I make a verbal, you know, that's not a good friend. That's a, that's a knucklehead. You know, I don't want to be around somebody like that. But so Garvin's not. But if, if, over, if there is a, a pattern of language that comes out of my mouth, Garvin will point it out to me. and say, Brady, you keep talking about that. He may give me grace once or twice, but if it's a pattern of language is the reflection of what's going on inside of us. And so Solomon says, listen, you're going to be a man of integrity. He says, above all else, guard your heart, because if you don't guard your heart, you're going to have this perverse language. Perversity and corruption are going to come out of your mouth, and everyone, it's going to be exposed. You cannot keep that in secret. In fact, Jesus says what is hidden in secret will be shouted from the rooftops. What's kept hidden in our hearts at some point is going to be shouted from the rooftops. You cannot be a poser for long. God will expose us and sh- because he loves us. He'll expose you because he loves you. There's, there's two languages right now being spoken in the world, and there's only two, two languages. The language of lies and the language of truth. Now, we're all born with speaking the language of lies. All of us in here have to become bilingual. Because we're born with this lie. We don't understand truth. And then truth through Christ came to us. And suddenly we realized, i got to learn a new language. And, and listen, it is, it is a, a discipline. It is a discipline, just like if I were going to learn Spanish or I was going to learn French, it's a discipline to learn this new language and speak this new language. And I want to challenge you as men, what comes out of your mouth matters more than you can. All of you, I, I guarantee you if I said, how many of you in this room can remember something harmful that has been said to you by a man who's in authority? Some of it 30, 40 years ago. When I was 23 years old, 21 years ago, a man who I loved and respected in the hallway of our church called me an idiot because I, 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 I made a mistake. I did. But instead of disciplining me, instead of encouraging me and correcting me, he shamed me in front of another man that I loved. He did it in front of somebody. Now, that, that took me about 10 years to get over. One, one word from this guy. That's how powerful our words are. And as men especially, listen, guys, my little guy, he hangs on every word I say. I know that. And I have to be careful about my language around Abram and Callie. Even when I'm tired, especially when I'm tired, I'm, I'm, out, I'm, you know, I'm physically or spiritually spent. 
that's when you have to be on guard about what's coming out of your mouth. Men of integrity are able to capture those thoughts, correct those thoughts before they ever become words. And we have that ability. We have the mind of Christ. We have the ability by the Holy Spirit to capture those thoughts, correct those thoughts, before they're ever formed into words. It just takes an awareness, a listening ear, and a listening voice. Here's the third thing he says. He says, men of integrity are focused on the right things. Look at verse 25. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix, notice the language here, fix your gaze directly before you. Let me tell you what I believe about this. I believe we worship what we look at. What gets most of your attention while your eyes are resting upon is typically what you're worshiping. Worship, worship is the motivator. For, I mean, our eyes motivate our worship. What we tend to fix our eyes on. What are you focused on right now? I, I, I do believe one of the primary threats or in, one of the things that the enemy does among men the most is he tries to distract us from what's important. Distractions. What's right now? Let me ask you a question this morning, men. What's distracting you right now? What's come into your life as a distraction? I mean, I'm not talking about necessarily evil things. I mean, good things that distract us. What has caused you to fix your eyes on something that's not there? I'm not talking about Internet stuff. We all know that that's there. And we all know how susceptible all of us are to that. And obviously, we can't fix our eyes on that. What you turn your eyes away from, what is distracting you right now? What has come into your life and causing you to be distracted? Good things, bad things, things that, that seem innocent enough at first glance, but they, you look up and you've been distracted. He says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. We've talked about this as a church leaders a lot of times. There's a lot of distractions for me. A lot of things that are swirling around me to distract me. And it often, again, it's oftentimes Garvin and Brad and others who say, Brady, Brady, you're being distracted. You're being distracted. Don't be distracted. We need to have men in our lives that say, hey, 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 don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. Don't look, don't look to the left or the right. God's got you on this path. God's got you on this place. Now, don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. Keep your eyes fixed. The word, the word here is fixed. It's locked in. I'm not talking about being narrow-minded, and I'm not talking about having narrow focus. I'm talking about fixing my eyes on the path that God has for me and not looking to the left or to the right. Distractions waste time, and time is valuable. Don't be distracted. And here's the fourth thing he says in verse 26. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Here's the number four. Men of integrity walk with purpose. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a plan? Is there any, do you have a plan for your life right now? Do you have a plan for your money? Do you have a plan for your marriage? In just a moment, we're going to have a breakout session, and Pastor Garvin's going to teach on finishing strong. And I think it's an important, especially if you're in your 50s, if you're in your late 40s, 50s. This is the time in our life where men realize that the plan they had either is working really well or not working very well. And this is when men tend to panic. 45 to 55, it's, it is proven that men make more foolish decisions that alter the outcome of their life between 45 and 55 than any other decade. You know why? Because we panic. We look up and we're halfway through our life, and that's, that's fair to say when you're 45 to 55, you're probably at halftime. And men tend to realize, they look up at that point and realize, 
I don't have a plan. I don't know how I'm going to retire. I don't, I, my marriage is, is a mess. I'm eating the harvest of seeds that I've planted, and it's not a good harvest. And I don't know how to finish strong. I don't know how to get to the place that God's got for me. So if you're between the ages of 45 and 55, I want you to be super aware right now. And I'm approaching that. Next January, I'll be 45 years old. And I'm very aware right now of the plan. A plan. Do I have a plan? Do I have a plan to love Pam for 45 more years? Or however, however long, how many days I have? Do I have a plan to make sure that I am still in love with her in my 60s and 70s? Do I have a plan to make sure, this, and this is big, I'll be honest with you, do I have a plan to make sure that, there is, that I'm not always going to be the pastor here, by the way? I'm not. I'm not. I mean, that's the reality. In 30 years, I'm probably not going to be the pastor here. I might still be here. I'm going to be the old guy in the corner telling bad jokes, but I'm probably not going to be the pastor. So do I have a plan? Do I have a plan of succession? Do I have a plan to raise up some young man? Do I have a plan uh, for my money? Am I just spending foolishly? Am I investing wisely? This is what he's saying. Men of integrity have a plan, and they have the discipline to stick to it. And this is so difficult for men. Long term, we are such a microwave culture. We want things instant. And God is into marinating. God is into marinating with us. God is into, and he'll give you the plan. Here's the good news. God will give you the plan. All of this is laid out for us. But Solomon says, listen, men of integrity are walking with a plan. They're walking with a purpose. They're not just waking up every morning, taking life as it comes. I have a plan and a purpose for the day. I do. I have a plan for today. I plan this afternoon to fall into a deep coma nap on my couch. Now, now if I don't plan for that, I'll show up in the morning tired for Sunday morning. But I'm going to plan to be pretty lazy today. I'm going to plan for LSU to beat Auburn like a two-year-old at Walmart. (laughs) And then I'm going to fall into a deep coma nap and wake up and watch the Rangers beat the Cardinals tonight in the World Series. i got a plan for that. Sorry, Cardinals fans. I didn't know we let Cardinals fans come to New Life. I thought that was in our bylaws. It's not in our bylaws. I'm joking. You are are decent people. This is what men of integrity do. These are things that we need to talk about as men. If we're going to be men that put a little fish sign on our business card and mean it, these are the, 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 the questions, the conversations we need to start having with each other as men. Above all else, guard your heart. Put away perversity from our mouth. Speak the truth. Focus on the right things. Walk with purpose. Walk with purpose. I want to pray over you this morning. I want to pray for myself and pray for all of us this morning. I want our reputation in the community to be known. If they find out you're from New Life, they want to do business with you. I want them to, if they hear that you are a contractor and you go to New Life, that's the guy right there you want to do business with. That's the guy right there that you can, that he tells you what he's, if he says what he means and he means what he says. And while you still may have to sign a contract for legal reasons, I want both of you as you're signing this contract to know that it really, it's really not necessary, but we'll do it anyway. Because I said what I, when I say what I say, I mean it. And he's going to do the right thing for the right reason, even if it hurts him, even if it means a, a loss of profit. This guy's not going to cut corners. This guy is not going to compromise his values just to earn business. And I know it's a tough business world out there right now. And the temptation right now is to cut corners, to compromise in order to get the business because business is so scarce. Can I tell you that God honors integrity? You cannot imagine what God has in store for you if you will make up your mind that every decision you make 
Every business deal you make, every word you speak as a man is a word of integrity, a business deal that's covered in integrity. The blessings of God, listen, let me tell you something. I can tell you this absolute certainty. You will always have enough if you'll walk with integrity. You're not, you're not missing out on a business deal by doing the right thing. You're missing out on God's blessing. God's blessing is better than any business deal you've ever signed, you've ever said yes to. I can promise you. I am blessed today. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about peace. I'm talking about the peace of mind. I'm talking about knowing that I can lay down tonight and go to sleep knowing I said the right thing, I did the right thing. That kind of sleep, by the way, beautiful. You guys know what I mean. When you can lay your head down at night, my dad used to always tell me this, Brady, you can lay your head down tonight knowing that you did the right thing. That's the best sleep you'll ever have in your life. I I want that for all of us. Amen? Now, by the way, this is not a rebuke. I look out across the room. I I see a lot of men of tremendous integrity. Men that I want to be like. I look at a lot of you, and I want to be like you. I'm nowhere near where you are right now in this area, and I want to be like you. And I'm, I want to tell you, thank you for being such a great influence on me. Thank you for influencing my child, my son, my daughter, for being men in this room who I'm proud to serve along with. I'm proud to be called a new lifer, and not, and not, not in an ungodly way. I'm glad to be numbered among you. I am. I'm glad to be numbered among you. I'm glad you're my family. And sometimes you can, uh, you, you know, you can pick your friends, but you're stuck with your family. I'm glad that you're my family. I'm thankful for each of you, okay? Let's pray for one another right now. Father, thank you so much for the work of your Holy Spirit right now in all of us. Lord, we, Lord, even as I'm speaking, and Lord, even as we're all listening, we're all aware of the broken places in our heart. Father, we're all aware of, of I, I think we're all aware of places that we can do better. Lord, you didn't come today with this word to make us feel bad. You came today to challenge us. These scriptures are not meant to make us feel bad. They're meant to make us step up. To say yes to the right thing, Lord, so that you can release blessings upon us. Lord, you want to bless the men of this church. You want to bless the men in this room. You want to bless me, I know that. You're a good father who gives good gifts to his children. And Father, I pray today that with the help of your Holy Spirit, that we would live with hearts that are open, vulnerable, honest to you. Above all else, let each of us in this room guard our hearts. Let us be aware with listening eyes and seeing, with, with listening ears and seeing eyes. Let us have an awareness, O oh God, of what you're doing right now. And let us respond. Let us say yes. Let us have repentant hearts so that you can come and heal us and redeem us and restore us. In Jesus' name, amen.